Broadcasting live from Buffalo State College, here is The Blitz on 91.3 FM. Welcome to The Blitz on 91.3 FM WBNY, 91.3 FM WBNY, Buffalo's original alternative station since 1982, the Buffalo State Student Activity Fee. All right, we are live on The Blitz from Buffalo State College. I am your host, Evan Harrington. I am joined by Daniel Dale, Double D, Tanner Saunders. We have an action-packed show for today. You know, first of all, I just want to emphasize really quick. Guess who just got re-signed? Hold on there, Harrington. We got we to gotta, we gotta change the plans because we have the uh, women's head soccer coach here with us, so we, we might as well get started with that. We can do that. Plan change. Everything changes. Yeah, every you know every, you you don't get to talk about nothing, Harrington. Not yet, at least. Nothing. Um, yeah, <laughs> we are gonna have Buffalo State's women's head soccer coach, uh, right here, Greg Margolis, for a quick interview. Margolis for an interview for the next thirty minutes. Uh, hey, welcome, man. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Good. All right. Thank you for joining. Uh, so obviously, uh, the women's soccer team is off to a phenomenal start. Five one and one, uh, obviously a big turnaround from last year's, uh, you know, three and fifteen record. Uh, talk about you know just the change in one year uh, that you have you know emphasized uh, on your group. Yeah, I, you know it's it's been a full year of preparing and, and getting ourselves into this position, and um, you know even though results weren't the way that we wanted them last year. Um, the work that that group put in, the group that is coming back from that uh, that team last year, is set a really good standard for what we wanted to do this year, and um, that's allowed us to to be quite successful so far. Um, but you know, only one game in conference, so still a lot for us to to keep working for. Yeah, that kind of bleeds right into my next question. So he kind of took the words right out of my mouth there. The team last year, three and fifteen, and through the first half of this season, you know, they've been tremendous, five one and one. And I think the most impressive thing about that is that you know this is a really young team. This is a team I was looking. They got fifteen freshmen, seven sophomores, four juniors, one senior, and one graduate student. So you know, some people might say that they're ahead of schedule, perhaps being as young as they are. What do you think the catalyst has been for the turnaround this season, especially with the team being as young as it is? Um, a couple things. I think you know, the big thing that I always try and emphasize in my programs is culture. Um, so collective team culture, uh, we have values that we really preach. So communication, that's always open, honest, direct, but positive and purposeful. Um, we have competition, so we've embedded some really good ways to make this group super competitive on the field. And um, I don't know if y'all are wrestling fans, but we literally have a WWE wrestling belt <laughs> yeah. that they compete for <laughs> every awesome. year. Um, nice. both, so we have two teams that are competing for that and then individually there's a winner for that as well um and then support so a team that is there for each other on and off the field um supportive in ways that are going to help inspire each other empower each other to be great women on the field but also in the classroom and long term once they leave buff state uh successful and, and powerful where they, wherever they go all right, so your last game uh, was just the other day against Fredonia, which is a Suniac matchup. You guys won 2-1 to one in that victory. How important can you talk about, not only just to win you know, games in general, but those Suniac matchups? Those are important. Can you talk a little bit about that? 
Yeah, conference play is is the season that we focus on. So I've almost dubbed some of our non-conference games as ex- extended preseason um, as as ways to continue to prepare ourselves for, for conference play. Um, and the ladies have been incredible at taking everything that we've provided them and absolutely running with it. Uh, they've been playing with such pas- passion, and, and I think we saw that on Wednesday night when we have one of our first years come out and score a goal in the first two minutes. Um, that kind of really showed us that they fully understood the job and, and kind of where we're going, and um, it's a good place for us to start, but there's so much more to do, and you know, tomorrow against Oneonta is going to be a tough one, and the SUNYAC is, in, in women's soccer especially, is one of the tougher leagues in New York and, and in the region, so we know we have um, a lot to do, and even though we've had good success so far, we need to keep really grinding um, in order to get where we want to be. All right, so we talked about the last game, and you mentioned, obviously, tomorrow. We've got a game coming up at Oneonta at 1 o'clock. Uh, what can you tell us about that game? What challenges does that Oneonta team present, and what are you guys uh, expecting to see out of them? Uh, so we've done a lot of film and a lot of discussion about their their system of play, and it's going to be fairly competitive from the start. It's, it's a full 90-minute game that we know, uh, based on their results, they, they have been in and around getting a getting a win or a tie in each of their games. Um, some interesting results that they've had that I think just kind of show us that on any given day, anybody can go get a re- result, especially in our conference. Um, so, And they, they've had a full week to prepare for us where we had to first prepare for Fredonia um, and then look ahead at this game. Um, so we know that they're going to be prepared for us, but I think with our the way that we've been playing competitively intensity-wise, um, that's what we're going to be continuing to ride on. All right, outstanding. Uh, can you talk a little bit about Macy Joelli? She has been off to a hot start. Like She has just been phenomenal. Uh, Dan and myself here got to commentate the game against Houghton College uh, just a few nights ago, and one of the main things that we were just outstanding by, you know, standing up in the press box was just, like, noticing number three. She was just a player that just, you know, caught our attention. Can you just talk a little bit about her and, you know, what she brings offensively and, you know, and on and off the field with her leadership? Yeah, so Macy's come a a long way since I've taken over the program. And, um, you know, last year we had to kind of play her a little bit out of position, which led to her not being um, as productive um, on the ball and just the style of play that we had to run last year was a little bit different. Um, But now that we have her up top, in a place where she can create on her own um, and then play with the players in behind. Um, I think what's important to note here is that it's, it's what's around her that is helping her create these opportunities. Um, the players that are able to help feed her the ball um, are a big part of that, but then you need someone to put it in the back of the net and she's been doing a really good job of that. Um, and, you know, hopefully that continues. We, we need to have that from the front as much as we can. Um, but I think we're seeing that there are people around her that are starting to score as well. Um, and you can't hate when you have more than one person who's able to do it um, all over the field. So um, she's been great, but a lot of our, our incomers have done a really good job. We have a returner in Elsa Graf who has two goals as well. Um, and so that's what I love is that it's a collective effort um, that's working towards these results. And um, I know you guys won't like this, but I'm big on uh, the Bill Belichick way. Um, I grew up in New England, so <laughs> I'm big on the, the team perspective <laughs> thing. Um, so 
uh, yeah, that's that's been a big thing for us. Well, uh, I want to talk about a little bit on your defense. I mean, your defense has been outstanding. Um, when how Harrington mentioned how I, me and him covered the game a couple of weeks ago, you've only allowed seven shots per game. How have you kept the shots against your goalkeeper and keeping your defense as dominant as it is so far this early in the season? Yeah, big again, a big thing here is that you know, with with the game of soccer, you need the collective effort, um, especially on the defensive side of thing. We we've really changed the approach to to be a very much more unit based defensive group. Um, the team again, they have done everything that we've asked in regards to um, tactical approach, watching film, asking good questions, um, and then doing the work on the field uh, to limit chances and we just want to be safe as as a group and, and make sure that we're limiting those opportunities and um, that was a big thing for me this year was um, having the right people in place having a full team from top to bottom that understood that it's defense first um, defense always wins championships whatever sport you're playing um, and then from there it's able to allow us to create some good attacking options but um, I had a really big mentor in my life when I was at Springfield College. Um, German uh, German guy played internationally in his youth and um, the German style is to be extremely organized, extremely efficient um, and defense is, is critical and uh, I've kind of taken that with me in my coaching career um, and, and brought it here to, to this team. All right, so I talked a little bit earlier about how the makeup of this team is mostly underclassmen. Now, as a coach, do you find that it's different coaching a team that's younger like this compared to maybe if you had a more senior-laden team or a more veteran team? Um, I wouldn't say it's different. I think there's uh, what's good is we do have a lot of great leaders in place on this team. So we have... Um, five captains and, and one vice captain in, in this program um, that ranges through classes too. It's, they're not all the upperclassmen, um, which I think brings a good perspective to the group. And then the people that we bring in through the recruiting process, it, it's about bringing in people who are willing to use their voice, be a part of this from day one and not be shy and scared, even if they are a first year Um We've put people in place. We've added pieces to our culture to make sure that no matter who you are, freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, graduate student, you are adding your voice to this group and, and being a strong leader no matter you know who you are in that group. So I don't think there's any difference in, in that coaching style that you need to bring. Um, it's just helping them understand their role and, and how they can be effectively helping us uh, be successful. Yeah, so earlier Dan mentioned defense, and like we mentioned a little bit earlier in the show, Dan and I, you know, had the privilege to commentate and cover the game. And one thing that we noticed was how your defenders moved up the field offensively. Uh, so against Houghton, obviously it was a tie, but a big play made from a defender was A.J. Haas, a defender on a corner kick. Can you just talk about a little bit how important it is for your defenders to not only engage in the offense, but to contribute and, you know, give team success for offense? giving away my secrets right now oh, yeah. <laughs> um we're gonna redact this later yeah. in post-production okay cut that cut that cut that, cut that. <laughs> um Hit the dumb one so yeah it's again big on collective team effort and people understanding their roles we know that aj is somebody who can win balls out of the air we're going to put her into situations where she can do that um 
depending on the game, if we want to get our outside backs involved up the field to provide with, then that's going to happen. Um, it's always taking what's our strengths and executing them and then also looking at what the team that we're playing is providing us and then implementing tactical approaches how we're going to play. How we played against Houghton, vastly different how we played against Fredonia. How we're going to play against Oneonta, um, all our core principles will be there, but there will be specific areas that we want to try and exploit based on how teams play, how their shape looks, and then how we want to execute with that. All right, you touched on this a little bit, you know, in the a previous question about how you know you want to empower players to have their voices heard and that type of thing but outside of that you know is there any if you had to sum up your coaching philosophy simply put how would you describe it um i'm big on holistic development um, i'm big on providing people the tools skill sets opportunities to be successful in their lives yes on the soccer field but um biggest thing for me is you know this is a four-year period in your hopefully you know 70 80 90 year life that you're going to have uh want to give you the skill sets to be successful many of the players here i think there are some who might have the opportunity to play at a next level um you know our assistant coach victoria Kaladi, who is a graduate of the program here uh she plays on fc buffalo the semi-pro team in the area there are opportunities to continue play um, and I think some of them might have that opportunity. For others, it's to go and teach. It's to go and, you know, get their medical degrees. It's to go and be in the criminal justice field. Want to use ways to help them grow in those areas um, mentally, physically, emotionally, socially. Uh, and my background in sports psychology is big in how we go about that so that they're constantly trying to find ways to get 1% better is the way that we try and voice it to them every day. Yeah, you mentioned, uh, you know, Victoria Kaladi and one of your assistant coaches. Can you also talk about the other two assistant coaches that you have on your staff and just how important they are, uh, you know, contributing to the team success? Yeah, so uh, Lindsay Lopresto was involved with the program last year and um, decided to make a decision for her life to go a different direction than, than the college setting right now. Um, but it's been good to continue to have her around because she's former D1 athlete at Niagara, has a really good understanding of the game. Um, especially in the midfield play. She can help see things um, during games that help us kind of understand where we might be able to make slight adjustments. And um, her voice, her value has been extremely important for us building this year. Um, and then Sierra Boucher, um, I actually, so at Springfield, she was on the women's team when I was coaching the men's team. Um, so that's how we kind of got connected. I knew she was out here when I first moved out here, reached out. She's a big time goalkeeper. Um, has won titles over there, conference players, um, first team, second team, when she was a part of their program. So she knows the position really well um, and has really helped our goalkeepers continue to develop over the past um, year and a half that she's been involved in the program. All right, so to preface this next question, you you were the head coach at Elmira College for a time. That's Elmira, New York, correct? Yes. All right. What was it? What was it like living out there in that area? That might seem like a rather mundane question, but uh, the reason I'm curious is because I'm from that area. I was born mm -hmm. in Corning, and I've mm -hmm. lived in you know surrounding towns for my whole life, at least up until I came here. Like Painted Post, Addison. My dad lives in Big Flats right now. So, mm -hmm. uh, what was your your time like down there? Not to you know dwell on the past too much because you got a pretty good thing going you know here right now. But uh, what was your time like down there, being in that area? Um. 
It's definitely different than Buffalo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can put it that way. And some were, grew up right outside of Boston, so um, definitely different from that experience, too. Um, what's kind of unique with my career path is that I have moved to a point where I can't remember how many times now. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the life of an assistant coach, and I, I took a job right out of my Ph.D., down in North Carolina with the military for a little bit. So I've just been to a lot of different places and Elmira has not, I would say is not the worst place I've lived. Um, but you know, just, it's a little bit more rural. Um, my wife and I have two dogs though. So it was always nice to have opportunities to be out in the wilderness there a little bit. Um, and the school environment, I, I, you know, I, until I got here, most of the schools that I've been at have been small division three liberal arts institutions, uh, so it was something that I wasn't used to and comfortable with, and um, I liked the setting, honestly. Um, my house was right across the street from my office, too, so I could literally just walk <laughs> to work, which was always nice. Um, but I'll tell you, I, I have loved my time out in Buffalo so far. Um, it's been something that, you know, you're not from the area. You typically hear get a bad rap about it. Oh, it's cold. There's so much snow. There's mm-hmm. nothing to do. Yeah. It's basically the complete opposite of that. Um, I've I've loved every second being out here. So good times in Elmira, but I think much better here. <laughs> uh, all right. So can you talk also a little bit about uh, starting goaltender Bella Vene? Uh, she's been outstanding uh, for you all season. You know, and you mentioned uh, your one assistant coach. You know, helps out uh, with the goalies. You know, can you just kind of talk about how uh, great Bella Vene has been for you uh, this season? Yeah, Bella is is one of our captains on the program right now and leads with a, a fiery intensity, um, brings her voice every single day, but also is one of the most supportive people um, on our team. So I love how she's really bought into the culture fully. Um, and the girl can fly. So she's just able to cover so much in this in the goal and um, and help us keep it keep us in games keep us organized and start our attack from the back um i've i've really appreciated the work that she's put in um but we've had the opportunity for samantha kaufman and taylor clisson to both be in goal as well and that's a big thing with my system is um i just i don't have a starting 11 that plays every minute i don't have two or three subs that get um get some time in i am big on rotation and and I've recruited you. You've shown us you can do the work. You're going to get the opportunities to earn as much time as you can. And then we're going to go with groups that get us the most uh, out of games. And um, But for the most part, I still like to see people getting those opportunities to continue to earn their time. So Bella's been great. Um, really sets a good tone for us. But both Sam and Taylor have done a great job as well. Um, I think off the top of my head, I think Taylor is only or um, Sam has only given up a PK goal. Um and that's it so far. So she, when she's in that, she's been an absolute stud for us. And uh, Taylor, her first year, is still learning kind of the speed of play and some of the tactical attributes that we have, but absolutely solid in that as well when she's in there too. All right, so you mentioned rotation. You know, you like to have a, you know, a current number of subs and just in general, like with the goalie rotation. Can you just talk about how much of a rotation means to you, you know, just for your players, keeping them uh, you know, energetic, you know, just keeping that whole thing flowing? Can you just talk about the importance of that? Yeah, I, I want to run teams into the ground um, so that when we get late in games, um, we have the momentum, we have the energy, and other teams who might not have as big of a, a rotation in their substitutions um, will kind of start to 
to fade a little bit. So that's that's part of the reason why we do it. The other part of it is that I trust the people on this team. And um, again, they've done the work. They've they've shown us that they can do what we're asking of them. Um, and that allows us to, again, be fresh, especially with Suniac play now. Um, you know, in the past, it was Friday, Saturdays where we were playing back to backs. Now it's at least Wednesday, Saturday, but that's still a quick turnaround in between games. Um, we just need to make sure that we're keeping people healthy as we drive into conference play and are, we're peaking as the end of the season is coming, heading into playoffs um, and not, you know, riding any injury bugs as we're getting late into the year. They make practice harder so the game becomes easier. Makes sense. Now, you mentioned that you enjoyed your time in Buffalo, and I can second that. You know, kind of similar similar stories. We both came here in, in the, around 2021. You came in the spring. I came in the fall. But how did you uh, get to Buffalo? How did that, you know, come about, and how did you uh, end up here? Oh, boy. This is a long journey here. So <laughs> Let's hear uh, it. <laughs> um, like I said, I grew up in New England. Mm-hmm. Um, but was somebody who was always looking to try, you know, get new experiences. So I went to a small Division three school in, in outside of Philadelphia, went back and was at Springfield College in Western Massachusetts for my master's and my Ph.D. Uh, and that's where I really dove into the soccer coaching side of things, um, really fell in love with that profession. Um, if you if you don't know this, especially at the Division three level, college coaching doesn't provide a ton of money. <laughs> so I was looking at, you know, what was going to be the best thing for me, for my life. And, you know, I wanted to stay involved in soccer, but I wanted to find ways to still do some of the sports psychology stuff. So I spent a year working with special forces, doing performance enhancement with them in the woods of North Carolina. Um, found out pretty quickly that it was a really cool job, but it was extremely draining and it just wasn't what my passion was. I got on with Methodist University down there and immediately was like, coaching is where I want to do. It's everything that I've loved. Um, and then I wanted to find my way into coaching women because I just think the game at the Division three level, um, the buy-in to the culture side of things as well is um, a lot more towards what I wanted to do soccer-wise with, with the game. And so worked my way into a position at Allegheny College uh, from there, I went to Williams College, and, and that was a really beneficial experience um, working with one of the all-time le- legend coaches in Michelin Pinard um, and Sarah Raymond, who was another absolute legend and a coach. Uh, we went to the Elite Eight that year that I was there um, in the national um, tournament, so just a good experience to get that type of experience um, you know, nationally. Uh, and then that's when I went to Elmira and was coaching both the men and the women and didn't sleep and didn't do anything else with my life. Uh, and then Renee Carlinio, our, our AD here, was also the AD at Elmira at the time. And um, I had seen the Buffalo job a few years before, had kind of was in question and was up in the air. I knew that this was a position that was one that would be really beneficial. The SUNYAC conference was a super competitive um, so I, when I I've had had my eye on it for about a year and a half before it even opened officially, um, and then, you know, with with Renee's support and um, everything, went for this and was able to earn the opportunity. And since then, it's just been grind, grind, grind until we can get to the point that we're at right now. And um, we are hoping to continue this upward trend as much as we can. 
Yeah, I'll say we're uh, glad to have you. I mean, you've done, you know, it's a small sample size still relatively, but in the time you've been here, you've been doing a fantastic job, and I'll say that uh, good thing good thing you're around here. It seems like nothing but good things coming for the program moving forward. Go ahead, Evan. Yeah, so obviously you touched, you know, about your journey here, uh, some of your players, the way, you know, you've done to turn around the program. You know, kind of get into a little bit of fo- some fun questions but really quick before we wrap this interview sure. up. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite soccer club, like pro? Um, Fulham FC. Um, so a smaller club that's kind of been doing the yo-yo with the Premier League and the championship. Um, I, again, grew up in New England, New England Revolution. One of my favorite players was Clint Dempsey, one of the greatest American players of all time. Um, he moved from the Revs over to Fulham, and then I just absolutely fell in love with the club. All right, outstanding. This is like probably the most controversial question in soccer i kind of think you probably know where i'm going with this i might i'm not sure <laughs> all right uh messi or ronaldo oh so this I wanna, is i want a detailed explanation yeah because this, this <laughs> has been an this has been one that's changed for me i was messy all the time for years he just is one of the most creative technical passionate players um that i've ever seen play the game i have in recent years until this year where he's kind of become again a prima donna turned my attention to Ronaldo a little bit more because he has done it at multiple places and at a feel like at a higher level um, winning a Euro with Portugal being incredible with Real Madrid but also at Manchester United now multiple times and at Juventus where the, the age-old question is always can Messi do it on a rainy night in Stoke which I'm not sure if anyone in this group has ever heard that or not. But I've, I've heard something similar across those <laughs> Basically, lines. in the Premier League, where you're actually getting beat up for 90 minutes, could Messi go do that? We'll never know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've kind of gone more towards Ronaldo as time has gone on. All right. Uh, what has been your favorite moment thus far as Buffalo State head coach for the women's soccer team? i, I got to say just winning the other night, honestly. So that that was our, my first conference win. That was our, from what I've been told and what I've looked up, of this group, the first time that they have beaten Fredonia during their time. Um, so some of the older players is the first time that they've gotten a result with that. Um, both the us men's soccer and women's volleyball all won against Fredonia. So I think that just made it even more of a special moment. Um, so that I think that might be where I'm at so far. All right. What is your favorite place to eat in Buffalo? You've been here for a little bit. Obviously, you've had you know a few places to try here and there. What is the spot? I'm a big foodie, so I have so many places. <laughs> um, I think one that I continue to fall back on whenever I'm just you know need a quick meal is um, Vasili's Express. Uh, they have I'm a big Greek food person. Some of the best souvlaki I've ever had, um, and I grew up with one of the best. Greek places in my in my hometown, but they, they do great work. Um, big fan of them. And then actually today we're getting um, Zio's, um, this new sub place that's been in for about a year now. Um, we're actually getting them to get subs on the bus on our way to Oneonta. So uh, if you haven't been there, I'll, I'll pump them on this right now. Definitely recommend Zio's. <laughs> All right. Outstanding. Uh, so we do this this pla- this thing called Top 3. We do it with every guest that we have on. You mentioned one of your favorite soccer players of all time, but what is your top three favorite soccer players of all time? So, yeah, Clint Dempsey, definitely number one for me. Um, hmm. 
Put me on the spot with this one here. <laughs> Kaká. Probably one of the most brilliant players. So I was a big AC Milan fan um, in my past, and um, I have really liked them too, actually, recently, the way they've been playing. So Kaká and, and Pirlo. So I'm Italian. Um, so I have to go with Andrea Pirlo, probably the, one of the best passers from a midfield position that's ever played the game. Yeah, definitely. Also, uh, just the other day, Buffalo State Ga- Day of Giving uh, started. Can you want to talk a little bit about that and, you know, promote the women's Yeah, club? yeah. So we do an annual day of giving within athletics. Um, if you go right onto the athletics page, you'll be able to find a link to be able to, to go onto that. And if you're, you're willing and wanting to donate to any of the programs, um, it is still open to be able to donate. So please do if you if you you have anything. Ten dollars goes a long way. Um, the last time I checked, I think we were in third place, um, just behind football and women's hockey, ice hockey. Um, but we just reached our goal actually earlier today of five thousand dollars donated to our program. I think we're around forty thousand total for the for the whole department. So it's been very successful so so far, and it. It goes right back into everybody's programs. Um, so whatever each team needs, I know for us, we, we want to do a lot with the locker room and, and giving the, the players some good recovery tools. Uh, that's kind of a big thing for, for us and, and the fundraising that, that we need to do. All right, that is an awesome message. And, you know, like Coach mentioned, if you want to go donate to any of the clubs, just go to Buffalo State Athletics and you'll see it there. All right, Coach, Coach Margolis, I just want to say thank you coming on the show and you know giving us a great great insight uh to your journey here uh you know how the team's been and you know you're doing an outstanding job thus far turning the program around from last year to this year we all think you're doing a great job and great things are set to come throughout the rest of the season and in future endeavors just want to say thank you and uh have a good rest of your day appreciate it thanks guys thank you all right we'll be back on the blitz in a few moments after this that was an awesome interview Thank you, and we'll be back on 91.3 FM WBNY in just a few moments. The Swiss Army Knife deal. Here's Allen on second and ten. Stepping up into the logo and throw. He's got Diggs wide open. It's caught. Touchdown. 46-yard strike. Josh Allen to Stephon Diggs. Welcome back to the Blitz on 91.3 FM WBNY, 91.3 FM WBNY. We are back on the Blitz. That was Josh Allen to Stefan Diggs against the Titans the other night on Monday Night Football. What an absolute throw from Josh Allen to Stefan Diggs. Not too many quarterbacks can make that throw. The question is, mm. this week as the Bills are set to take on the Miami Dolphins, can Tua make that throw, that type of throw, that sort of throw, against the Buffalo Bills defense. That question no. is still yet to be answered. No, Double it's D- been answered. <laughs> <laughs> Double D thinks no. Uh, Tua did silence the haters uh, the other the other day, last week, eh. against the yeah, Baltimore Ravens, game. coming back with uh, you know just a phenomenal comeback overall. Uh, him and the Dolphins came back against the Baltimore Ravens to kind of upset them and shock them 42-38. to uh, I mean, I didn't get to hear your guys' reactions on that game, but like, what were your guys' reactions on Tua coming back against the Dolphins? Go ahead, Daniel. I know you're the Tua outspoken coming back against Tua the, uh, guy, Ravens, so. Not against the Dolphins, against the Ravens. How stupid is that game? How stupid do we have to think that Tua's good now? He's not. I, I would like to put that big, bold letters. Uh, I also got yelled at by Evan DePasquale, 
when I was at work. He's like, you're giving too much credit to Tua. This is how he sounds. Uh, you're giving too much credit to Tua. Uh, you know, Evan, shut up. Uh, we we can give credit just, to who we want. Preference what, Evan? Not I, 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 Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I said Okay, I, deeper. I, 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 you know, I said deeper. For the it's listeners, not you. it's not me. Yeah. No, I'm not yelling at you quite yet. Quite yet. All quite right. yet. You know, it may happen. It may not. <laughs> Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Tua, Tua gets a little prop. You know, he did kind of keep that offense going. I really think the only reason they're winning game is Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. That's it. They're getting yards after catch. That's what the Mike McDaniel offense seems to be run on. Uh, fast guys who could get into an open area, turn up field, get more yards than you know, just what Allen does where he kind of just aims for a guy and throws it at him really hard and he goes down. Um, so there, there's two different ways to describe. Maybe Tua likes this offense better, but I would, it, it's I would not I because of Tua that they are winning. All right. Uh, what about you, Tanner? Um, well, first off, before I give my thoughts, we were talking about this a little bit before the show started. Um, Bleacher Report just tweeted out that Taylor Swift is expected to be the 2023 Super Bowl halftime performer. Oh, my God! According to Variety, which I'm not like a Swift. Shake it off, baby! I'm not. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be mad at that. I'm fine with that. I mean, Tanner's I'm, looking at me like I'm crazy now. I mean, yeah. I'm not like a Swifty or anything, but I just never really like listen to her music. Like, I'm sure if I listened to her music, I would enjoy it, but I just never have. But I'm cool with that. Taylor Swift is a halftime performer. Sign me up. For, well, we can't play any. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I know. I just wanted to say though, because we were talking. Wait, about isn't Party in the USA made by Taylor Swift? No, it's no, Miley Cyrus. Oh, it's it, Miley Cyrus. Sorry, Hannah Montana. Sorry. Okay, sorry. Jesus. That is Hannah Montana, dude. Or Miley Cyrus. Um, All right. I forget. All right. So I didn't get to give my my full take. Yeah, neither did I. Because I just went off on a tangent. I thought you were done. No, I didn't even get it. No, I just wanted to to make that known because we were talking about that. But um, I'm with Dan. I, I mean, if you're a Dolphins fan, you can have some cautious optimism. I mean, I think in a situation like this, it's kind of dangerous to overreact after one week. Like, you know, he wasn't spectacular. I mean, in the game against the Patriots, he was not particularly great. I mean, I've seen some of his film on, like, TikTok. Thank you, Theo Ash, NFL. That guy is a legend on TikTok. But, you know, he did a, a breakdown of Tua's film, and often what you'll see is, I mean, the linebackers with the Mike McDaniel, the Magic Mike offense, there's a lot of play action. So the linebackers, you know, have to respect the line of scrimmage, so they'll be up close. But then, you know, you have the defensive backs who have to honor Jalen Wall and Tyree Kill's speed, so they'll just be way backed off. And oftentimes the middle of the field will just be just completely naked but for some reason Tua seems hesitant to attack that area of the field like he's missed a handful of throws already this year where the middle was like wide open but he just didn't didn't hit it for one reason or another but since they were down you know in that week two game he kind of had to be more aggressive and make those throws and to his credit he did like he complete him and Jalen Waddle were just toying with Patrick Queen in coverage in that game but I mean he wasn't spectacular I mean you look at the two throws to Tyree Kill I mean the first one was kind of a little bit underthrown but I have to at the same time on the flip side of that token I have to call balls and strikes like when you have a guy that has 
five yards of separation from the nearest defender. All you have to do is get him a ball that's at least somewhat catchable. And Tua did that on both of those touchdowns. But, I mean, they were kind of blown coverages. Like the first Tyreek Hill touchdown, Kyle Hamilton had no idea where Tyreek Hill was until Tyreek Hill was like three yards past him. And Marcus Peters just doesn't have the foot speed to keep up with Tyreek Hill, one-on-one, simply put. And then the second one, the corner that was on Tyreek, expected to have safety help. He didn't. So, you know, it's not like they were the hardest throws in the world to make. I mean, like I said, Tyreek had five yards of separation on the next closest defender on, you know, both of those touchdowns at one point. So, um, you know, Tua, to his credit, he made the throws. He got the ball there, albeit underthrown or not. And, you know, he did what he had to do to win the game. But um, I think the Bills secondary, even despite, you know, having no Micah Hyde, you're going to have no Dane Jackson, two rookie corners starting, including a sixth rounder, and, you know, having a backup safety in Jaquan Johnson. They're, you know, they're well coached. Jaquan Johnson's been with the program long enough. Obviously, you still got the veteran Jordan Poyer up there. I mean, the front seven has been playing lights out to start the year, and I wouldn't expect that to change, especially if Teron Armstead's not playing. Uh, for Miami because he's been a DNP in practice the past two days. But, you know, to sum it up, there's reasons to be optimistic, but I wouldn't overreact crazily over week two, you know, as gaudy as the box score numbers were. Yeah, overall, so, yeah, no, definitely, I get it. Uh, My take on the Tua game versus the Ravens, just kind of summing it up really quick, the first half did not go right for Tua. He did not look like the second half self that he had against the Ravens. But nonetheless, he had a basically masterclass second half. And whether you want to say he was hitting wide open guys or not, he was distributing the football and getting his guys the football and letting them make plays with the football in open space. And again, he converted six touchdowns. Nonetheless, like I'm not going to discount a six-touchdown performance. Like You, you just really can't. Uh, it's not like he threw three touchdowns in 400 yards. He threw six. You know, and he came down, uh, what, what was it, at one point, 35 to 14? Yeah, you know, in the 30, fourth quarter. 35 to 14 mm-hmm. at the start of the fourth quarter. Nonetheless, whether you think Tua is a good quarterback or not, you got to give him props for at least getting his team back into that game and winning it. Uh, nonetheless, now, I still don't think Tua is a franchise quarterback. I need to see more consistent level of play like this for hit, for me to think, okay, in the AFC, you have Mahomes, Roger, or Mahomes, Herbert, Allen, Burrow, Lamar, etc. Can Tua ever reach the level of like those five quarterbacks? I, I don't think so. I think I think he's a level above Mac Jones, but I just don't think he is capable enough of taking his game to another level where he is on the level of Burrow, on the level of uh Jackson, Allen, Mahomes, Herbert. Like, those five quarterbacks are just kind of in their own tier, and I just do not believe Tua can do that. I don't think he has the intangibles or the traits to do that. He would have to be the most precise pocket passer in the modern era of NFL quarterbacks. He would have to be a reincarnation of Drew Brees, which I just simply think is not possible. Uh, Drew Brees is, you know, one of the top six, seven quarterbacks of all time. Sorry, Tua, you're not going to be become that you can become a solid quarterback a very good quarterback nonetheless but you're not going to be on the level of the other five guys I mentioned nonetheless though I still th- I think Tua does get more hate than he deserves he is a good quarterback like he's a fine quarterback he's not a great quarterback but he's not a terrible quarterback he's he's fine you know he's an you know an accurate throw of the football when it comes to downfield shots yeah 
he's not the most, you know, accurate guy because he just doesn't have the arm strength and the arm talent, you know, to deliver the football in certain areas of the field. But nonetheless, he commands an offense nicely when everything's in tempo. Uh, I think he gets the ball to, to Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle nicely to allow them to make plays after the catch. But again, half of his yards or almost half of his yards were after the catch, uh, you know, yards from Hill, Waddle, Gasecki, whoever else you want to mention. Those players just made uh, made Tua's night a lot easier. But nonetheless, I want to swing into Bills versus Dolphins talk because I think right now this might be the biggest game for the Dolphins within the last 20 years. That's what they're saying all over Twitter. This is the biggest game for them in the last 20 years. I mean, if they want to think that, really? fine. Yeah, I mean, if, really? I mean, if this is really the, your biggest game in the last 20 years— all right, let's go for it. I mean, I I don't see why it is, but hey, the week three game, you know, both teams are two and zero, both in the AFC East. I get why it's a big game. You know, whoever wins this game takes sole custody, as for right now, of the division. Uh, but nonetheless, Miami Dolphins fans think this is the biggest game in the last twenty years. This might not even be the biggest game for the Bills in the next month. Yeah, let alone this is that, the that's really sad if you're comparing the last 20 years and this is your best thing. Didn't you have Dan Marino in the past 20 years? So you're telling me that Dan Marino... No, they had Dan Marino in the past, like, 40 years. Was it 40? I thought he was in the 90s. Yeah, but Dan, 20 years ago, would be 2002. Time flies, Dan. Huh? <laughs> 20 years would be 2002 to 2022. Oh, Jesus. Wow. Dan I'm, Marino's I guess... final season played was in 1999. Uh, close enough. Yeah. <laughs> no, I get what you're saying, though. Close man. enough. I... Uh, but, you know, that that is kind of one of the worst things. He, like, hopefully they don't bring that, like, oh, yeah, we got to win, you know, mentality of, like, you know, having that, like, pumped up. You know, fans, a lot of fans there. I don't know what the split's going to be uh, between Bills and Dolphins fans. Hopefully there's a oh, lot more a Bills, lot of fans. Bills fans. I would think there's going to be a lot, but, you know, Miami can Miami can get some fans. I mean, they're the second most popular team in Florida, so. And plus, it's not like, I, I mean, mean how many New Yorkers are there that, you know, will true. stay in New York during and, the summertime and then go to Miami in the winter? So there's probably some Dolphins fans up here just based off of that. And, and Dan, you mentioned they're the second most popular team in Florida. I mean, what are they really competing with? Tom Brady. Yeah, but the Jags <laughs> yeah, well, are the third. No, <laughs> no they, they, they at least have a Super Bowl. So, yeah. you know, that's why they're over the Jaguars. They no, no. have the... They have two things. With I'd them. hope. I know. I'm saying I'd hope they be the second because it's the Bucks, obviously number one. But what the 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 Jaguars? Yeah, I know that would be kind of sad if you're yeah. behind the Jaguars. Yeah, so I'd hope they're number two. That would be sad, especially after getting Tyree Kill and you know having Jalen Waddle and gosh, the performance that they just put on against the Baltimore Ravens overall. But you know, I, I want to run through the latest injury report that was oh. given out. By Sean McDermott. Oh no! Today Uh-oh. on the Extra Point Show, pain, just um, pain. So Sean McDermott la, 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 says la, la, la. <laughs> on the Extra Point Show earlier today, around ten thirty-ish, I believe, that Micah Hyde, Dane Jackson, and Jordan Phillips are all out Sunday versus the Dolphins. Now, this is a big blow to the Bills' secondary. Uh, not only has Micah Hyde 
rarely ever been injured in his career for the Bills. This is his third neck injury since 2019. And we don't know if this is going to be a a long-term injury or they're just keeping him out this week to let things, you know, settle a little bit and maybe he's back the following week. Uh, Micah Hyde might be out for, you know, know, sustainable amount of time, uh, which is not good. And, you know, all of our prayers, you know, go out to Micah Hyde and, you know, he's all safe and everything with him is all good. Uh, But another player that, you know, took a, a very bad hit uh, in the Titans game is Dane Jackson, and we, I'm sure you guys covered it on Wednesday. Uh, but quick, you know that, that just seeing that in person was just mm. shockful. We didn't even know what was going on at the time. All we really knew was that Tremaine Edmonds landed on on J- Dane. That's like all we saw. We didn't really see his you know head go back, you know everything that was going on with that. But nonetheless, Dane looks to be okay. He was at practice today with smiles. Uh, you know. Just, but, but I'm pretty sure he wasn't participating, but he was in like a like a hoodie and sweats. But he, like, nonetheless, he was with the players, smiling and you know having a good time. Uh, but then you have Jordan Phillips, who's out with a hamstring. Jordan Phillips, what it looked like he suffered the hamstring when Matt Milano got that pick six and was running, and Phillips tried to make a block or something, and he just like pulled the hamstring and just plopped on the plopped on the field. Uh, nonetheless, those th- three players being out. Uh, hurts the Bills, especially. Mm. What I would say, two out of the three. I know. I mean, I mean, I think all three have an impactful role in this defense. I mean, Jordan Phillips has been playing the best football of his career. Yeah, but if you're getting back both Ed Oliver and to well, settle, I, it's a two for one. Yeah, I know. Uh, that that's the only thing. The defensive line has been so stacked. Yeah. That if if that's the way, you even wanna... if they are missing Phillips, maybe it's not as big as we all think. Uh, really, it is that secondary that's going to have it, – it's going to make or break the Bills this week. Uh, that's where I'm worried. Can Elam and Benford take on Waddle and Hill? And even Mike Gusecki, if they get paired with him, you know, can they keep them in coverage, keep up with them, make sure they don't have the explosive plays? And, you know, it, it's hard to tell with rookies. I mean, I really wish Trey was back right now. Yeah, you know – you mentioned the secondary. So Micah Hyde and Dane Jackson are up. You know, that's one of your starting safeties and your starting cornerback one until Trey's back. So now your secondary is potentially looking like what it was against the Titans in the fourth quarter uh, in parts of the third. Dick, uh, Jaquan Johnson, Jordan Poyer, Christian Benford, and Kyrie Elam. Those four guys, plus Taron Johnson in the slot, is going to have a tough task to be put up against the Miami Dolphins. Now... I think Sean McDermott's going to put these guys in a phenomenal scheme to allow them to play well. And I think Tua's going to have to beat this secondary. I don't think Hill and Waddle are going to beat the secondary. I think it's going to be up to Tua. What do you think, Tanner? Like, just on, you know, on this entire secondary talk. Uh, well, I'm scared, but rightfully so. I mean, when you've got, you know, the, I mean, this is the first team in NFL history where they've had a quarterback throw for over 400 yards, five passing touchdowns, and then have two receivers go over a buck seventy and two touchdowns. So there's reason to be scared when you're trotting out a backup safety and, you know, two rookie corners playing in their third career games, one of those being a sixth-round pick. But, you know, like I said, they're well-coached. You know, I trust that 
you know, McDermott will be able to come up with something. I mean, if they're if it's going to be, you know, like the Ravens was when, you know, obviously the linebackers have to creep up to respect, you know, Magic Mike's play action, and then those safeties are just going to be too deep, you know, shell coverage the whole time to not allow the deep on. They're going to try to exploit that middle. You know, I uh, I like our odds having Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano there in coverage because surely Tremaine Edmonds would be able to do a better job in coverage over the middle than Patrick Queen was able to do in that Ravens game. And Matt Milano, I've you know said this for a while now, I think he is the best, if not one of the best coverage linebackers in football. So um, if that's the way it's going to be, you know, just too high shell coverage and then, you know, being able and, you know, the Dolphins trying to go play action to suck those linebackers up. I trust that Milano and Edmonds have the athleticism to at least, you know, get into some of those throwing lanes and make them not just, you know, layups for Tua. And hopefully, you know, the uh, the secondary, they got to communicate well, don't allow, you know, any of those any of those deep balls where, you know, you're expecting safety help and you don't get it or you just lose track of Tyree Kill and completely turn them loose. So they got to communicate well in the secondary and just linebackers are really going to have to play well, try and, you know, get in the passing lanes and, you know, bother some of Tua's throws. But I think it can be done. It's just going to be all hands on deck. Yeah, no, overall, like, you know, you got that correctly. It's going to be a tough task for, you know, for the secondary to match up against Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle. And, you know, the point that I was trying to make, uh, just a minute ago, is that I believe Tua is going to actually have to beat this secondary. I just think that, like you mentioned, Tanner, this team is just too well coached. The scheme is too well put in. It's been here for way too long. Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott have their scheme implemented, you know, in the back of these guys, you know, in the back of these you know players' heads, basically, like, they just know what to do. They just trust them so well. And Jordan Poyer is going to have an intimate command of that defense alongside of Jaquan Johnson on the back end. And those two high shells are going to be back there and, you know, not allowing Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle deep. And Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds are going to have a huge task ahead of themselves as well, you know, to play the middle really well. Not allowing, you know, Waddle and, you know, Hill to find those soft spots and zones, uh, you know, behind the linebackers and in front of the safeties or wherever it is on the field, you know, to get those nice soft catches, but nonetheless to run after the catch as well. So overall... One thing I'll say is, yeah. sorry to cut you no, off no, no, there, no. but... Go for it. I mean, it's going to be, I think it's going to be a lot tougher for him than it was against Baltimore because I keep picking on Patrick Queen, but he got completely picked on in coverage against um, against Waddle particularly. They got him a couple times over the middle. But uh, I think, you know, we'll fare better, obviously, with Tremaine. He's a little longer than Patrick Queen, maybe a little bit better of an athlete. And, I mean, the guy covers at times like a nickel corner. So, you know, it'll be, I think he'll be able to give to a, a little bit more of a hassle just with his length and athleticism and coverage skills than someone like a Patrick Queen. Yeah, no, definitely, for sure. Like, and again, it's going to be up to Tua. Again, you also got to mention the Bills' defensive line, Dan. You mentioned how outstanding this Bills' defensive line has been all year, and rightfully so. They were outstanding week one against the Rams. Uh, not as not as good against the Titans, but they still had their moments. Uh, not good against the Titans? What's no, wrong not, with said, you? Not What's as, wrong with you? I said not as good against the Titans as they were against they the Rams. They were perfectly fine. No, I... I, I just said they weren't. Like, they they were as dominant as they were against the Rams. We're just talking not as many sacks, really. No, I'm just, I'm just saying, like they, you know, getting to the quarterback is what I'm saying. Tannehill had to get out faster. That's the no, only reason they didn't do as maybe as well as it may look. 
No, I'm, I'm okay. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I will win this. <laughs> uh, but overall, you know, the Bills' defensive line is going to have to get to Tua and you know make Tua make errant throws. Uh, you know, not because like Tua had a, a lot of time, you know, to look downfield for Tyree Kill on multiple occasions over the middle to Jalen Waddle. Uh, you know, in the back of the end zone to Mike Kosecki. He's not going to have that fair share of time that he had going up against the Ravens' defensive line that he is against the Bills. He's going up against Ed Oliver. If you know if at if at plays Tim Settle if if Settle plays uh, Dequan Jones obviously Jordan Phillips is ruled out which is a blow to the Bills defense but we might have Tim Settle and at Oliver potentially coming back Von Miller man there's no way that Tua is gonna get away from a Von Miller no staff. no you know who he's not gonna get away from who AJ Epinenza the Dolphin Killer oh yeah, yeah that was right AJ had the best game of his career last and he will have it again. I'm not going to say you're wrong. I mean, I hope so. I mean, just the defensive line as a unit has just been incredible this year. I mean, you can see the effect that Von Miller has had on these guys. Rousseau has had a great start to the season, and hopefully we can see that from the rest of, you know, the edge rushers, whether it's, you know, Boogie Basham or AJ. But you can definitely see that the impact that Von Miller has had on these guys. I mean, as a unit, they're playing lights out through the first two weeks. Yeah. I, I have a prediction go before we go to break. Yep. AJ Epinenza has 2.5 sacks on Sunday. All right. Two and a half sacks. That's Dan's prediction for Bill's third year defensive end, AJ Epinesa. We are going to take a quick break right, off, right after the break at the top of the hour. We'll be talking about more Bills versus Dolphins. Get into a little bit of Sabres talk. There's a potent, there was a, a contract extension no. with, a, with a certain no. so and so. No. That Dave not from GR, this is your time. We're calling no. your name right now. That Dave not from GR, myself, and Dan all have a little different opinions on. But we'll be right back on the Blitz on 91.3 FM WBNY. I'm giving Tua Tungabaloa the edge in this match. For this particular game, I want to just make it clear, because people will hear that and they will raise an eyebrow, because yeah. most of the conversation is that Josh Allen is the best player in the entire National Football League. And I believe, yes, I recognize my colleague from, uh, my, from the great state of Louisiana. Go ahead, R.C. Raising eyebrow, cause, cause raising the eyebrow this week, Greeny. I can't even freaking talk, and this is what I get paid to do. <laughs> I don't give a, I don't give a damn who ain't playing for Buffalo. We talking about Josh Mickey Ficky Allen? Are you serious? This, are you freaking? This man was sitting on the sideline late in the third quarter against the the, the, the returning number one seed in the AFC. They went up to Los Angeles. They throw two picks, and it don't even matter. They still blow him out. And it's and you gonna say you gonna take two and uh, don't don't Miami fans. I know y'all be sensitive. I'm not saying Tua Tagovailoa isn't better. I'm not saying that Tua Tagovailoa doesn't have Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. But if you go to South Beach right now and you go to Wet Willies and you ask them people, Miami Dolphin fans, do you want Josh Allen or Tua Tagovailoa? Ain't none of them Miami fans go pick. All right, welcome back to the Blitz on 91.3 FM WBNY, 91.3 FM WBNY, Buffalo's original alternative station since 1982, brought to you by the Buffalo State Student Activity Fee. I'm Evan Harrington, still your host for the next little bit, and I'm still joined by Tanner Saunders and Double D, Gan Dale. Can I say something about that real quick before we go? Yeah, we were just about to get into that. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Oh, um... We talked about, like, the defense and if we should be, like, concerned about it, but 
I'm not entirely for that reason because if this game does turn into a track meet, the Bills are probably the best equipped team in the NFL to be in a game like that because if the Dolphins go go and put up, you know, 35-plus points, you know, we can easily, you know, go out and match that and score 40-plus. So, sure. you know, if that, like I said, if it, if this game, if it comes down to it and it's one of those games where, you know, it's whichever team has the ball last is going to win, I think the Bills are the best equipped team in the NFL to be in a game like that because our offense, you know, we've seen, we can put points on the board in bunches. So. Josh, Mickey, Ficky Allen. That's as, right. As, that, that is one of the best nicknames I've ever dude, heard. Dude, Ryan Clark. Yeah. Huge respect. Like, not to say that I didn't re- respect him before, but that was God tier right there. That, yeah. We might have to add that one into the show's vernacular. I might start saying that from now on. Yeah. And, <laughs> and that was on the Get Up show. Uh, but yeah, this morning at, at what it looked to be 920 Eastern Time, uh, Ryan Clark responded to Sam Acho, who said, Tua Tungvaluwa will have a better game than Josh Allen. And Ryan Clark goes, I don't care who's out for the Bills, it's Joshua. Mickey Ficky Allen. I love that response. Ryan Clark with an all-time comeback. Gotta love it. Love to see it. You know what else we love to see? I wanted to get into this. You know what else we love to see? We love to hear Ryan Clark giving praise for Josh Allen. Mm -hmm. But you know what we also love to hear and see in Buffalo? What's that? Mr. Kevin Adams getting a two-year extension by the Buffalo Sabres. Going to be the GM no. for the Buffalo Sabres for more years to come. No. And I know, I know, I know, I know. Not there, my GM! <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Here. <laughs> there's, a few, there's a few people that listen to the show. <laughs> Dave, not from GR. Uh, and some guys that host the show, Dan Double D, that may or may not like Kevin Adams. May or may not? Has it already been, what, am I 50-50 now? <laughs> I didn't know it was 50-50. Thank you, Evan, for expanding my horizons. I hate him. No, Dan, a little bit ago, you did say that you liked a little... Didn't you say you liked the draft picks a little bit? You didn't hate them. No, I hated that we drafted three centers in a row. But you didn't hate the Matt Savoy pick. I can hate whoever I want, Evan. (laughs) Until Kevin Adams comes on this show and tells me why I'm wrong, I will... Be one hundred percent at his throat. He doesn't need to come on the show and tell you. Just let yes, the work. Does. Just let the work speak for itself. Let the it, results. It, what work? What results? Well, they're not what? Here oh, oh, being eighth from the bottom. Wow, let's congratulate him with a two-year extension while doing nothing. Well, you have done nothing <laughs> in your career. You have done nothing for what you are here because you came up from a financial section of the Buffalo Sabers, and there is no reason for you to be the GM because guess what the Sabres suck so nobody wanted to come here so they said Terry Pagula and Kim Pagula said ah we'll just make you a GM here you go get a fancy new little plaque on your car you know you get a new parking spot alright are you done my turn no, let me no, let me no, no, let me ask you this. So you just admittedly the Sabers have been a bad team for the past couple of years now. Right. So what do you want him to do? You want him to go out and give get you know, out just, of mediocre, just throw get out of Horribleville. So you said he hasn't made a move. Do you want him to just throw the bag at just yes. random free agents just yes. to over, just overpay just yes. to get them to come to Buffalo or just you yes. know mortgage their future for a player that might not work out? And then you're why just did PK Subban? I, I believe. That PK Subban did not believe in the Sabres and retired because of it. No. He said, Wow, the only deal I got is from the Sabres. My career is over. 
I'm just going to retire instead, instead of play with his brother. Well, I, I just, I can't, I might not have a horse in this race because I've only been following the Sabres for like the past year, but I just can't get on that train. Like, he hasn't done anything. Like, right. if the Sabres are bad, what do you want him to do? If he goes out and just th- overpays for somebody just to say that we got a big name Look, in Buffalo I'm not and saying, it doesn't end know, up sign, He already out. did that. He already did that with Taylor Hall. He already did it with Taylor Hall. Yeah, and that, that didn't work out. So. No, that was Eichel. Eichel was still on the team at that point. That was Eichel. Don't 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 blame him for that. I no, won't I'm not blame bl- him. I'm not for blaming that. Adams for that. I'm just saying Adams brought. He in. made a horrible trade away for him. But, I liked Curtis Lazar as a saber. Him going to and even worse, they went to Boston. You're Boston. telling me that Boston, Boston, a team that's in your division. And you're going to give him another leg up above you for the next, I don't know, five years? Okay, because guess what? He's Curtis doing pretty Lazar's dang not, well. Curtis Lazar is not a No, no. Lazar is, Lazar is now, uh, 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 he hasn't been signed anywhere. I understand that. I'm not saying Lazar. I'm saying Hall. Yeah, but Hall isn't going to be like this end-all, be-all. No, Hall is pretty dang good. He's okay. He's, he's a good not. Player. No, no. He's a, he's if they were player. okay, they wouldn't have made it to the uh, at least the playoffs. Venus Onmark left the Sabers for the Bruins. Hall's a good oh, player. guess what? They do pretty well. Oh, let's put two and two together. Nobody wants to come here. And we're signing people who aren't good. Kevin Adams is not good. Well, y- you can't blame him for not being able to re-sign Venus. Yes, Allmark. I can. How? He was a first-year GM. Have here. you looked at the bill's money? Oh, my God. I bet you they could plan a $100 bill and a million dollars would come back up because that's how much what? money they have. They have what? loads to spend. They can't even get to the floor. They barely got to the floor. They had to trade for Ben Bishop, who's Dan, it was still working with the Stars. Here. Dan, it was, it, was Don, it was Don Granado's what? He, he was a year. I'm not even, even talking even, about Granado. No, no, Granado's going to be fired at the end of the year. But you no know. way. Dude, if Don Granado gets fired at the end of the year, Dan, I will literally give you my life savings. <laughs> oh, great. I'm glad we have this on air. Yeah, all right. That was really stupid to say that on air. My life savings isn't much. <laughs> but nonetheless. Hey, um, who knows? From the time of right now to, you know. Yeah, I hit the lottery or something. and Exactly. It's all uh, mine. All right. To join this conversation, anyone can call in at 878-5104, 878-5104 to give your opinion on the Kevin Adams extension or just anything Bills related or anything sports related, we will take your questions and answer them on the air. Also, to listen while you're on the go, uh, you can download the Radio FX app and put in the call sign WBNY to listen on the go anywhere. Download the Radio FX app on the Google Play Store or the App Store on Apple. You know uh, what? Hmm. You know what you got to give Kevin Adams for? For bringing in the future franchise cornerstone, if he's not already, TNT, Tage, Nathaniel Thompson. Got to give him credit for that. Come on. He didn't now. even bring him in. He just re-signed him and said, here's money oh, that, trade that we happened. haven't spent on other Oh, people. that trade happened in, what, 2017? That was Jason Botterill. That was Botterill. We can yeah. think Botterill. Yeah, Botterill, you well, did something! That, that trade was... That trade oh, it was, was so horrible. That was bad. They got, what, Marco Scandella. Um, two two people who aren't even on the Sabres anymore. You know, the uh, only Saboka. one that Tage is... They got Saboka. Yep. Um, Patrick Patrick Berglund, Berglund oh uh, fourth God. round pick. 2019 first, 2021 second. Um, and they go on to which win the, the Stanley Which the first Cup was drafted to Ryan Johnson, who might not even play for this organization. Woo! The, uh, the second round pick was who? Was that? 
who turned I, I forget who turned in the second round pick here. Uh but it was Berglund who played what, ten games and just left. Uh Saboka, who was just terrible. Uh and then we had gosh, I mean can't even name it. That that trade was horrible. At least Tage was the saving grace then. He's not even a saving grace right now in my mind. He's more like, here, you're the last thing that we got from this trade. We need to make you work. What are you saying? Yeah. He's not good? So he wasn't. He's had one good year, Tanner, out of the three that he's been here. I, I will say that until I see a second good season from him, I will not say he's great. I, or at least a cornerstone. I, the cornerstone for me right now of this team is either Jeff Skinner or Alex Tuck. All right, speaking of a cornerstone, we have a cornerstone caller calling in. Oh, I think you guys I have a feeling. Can, I, oh, think I, I, I wonder who it is. It is, it is uh, Dave, not from GR, not from Ted's. He is not from Amira. Not on, from Dave? anywhere. <laughs> What's going on, Dave? Hey, great show, guys. I love the passion. Unfortunately, I don't love Kevin Adams. Yeah. Um, I, I, will yeah. answer, I will answer Tanner. You know, he comes, like, what should he do? This is what I would have done if I'm a GM of a team that is not even up to mediocre. I would not have stood pat. I would have either done something with my draft picks that I had so many of other than take them, especially when the NHL doesn't have a, anyone playing for a couple of years normally unless they're like the number one pick. I mean, usually take two, three years. You can't take that much time when your team is as bad as the Sabres are. Mm-hmm. Number two, I would have gone to free agency because I got a lot of money. I'm not in salary cap hell. I have tons of money, and I'm still sitting on it. And I'm, I'm going out there and signing guys like Double D said, hey, to get to the cap, to get to the floor of the cap. So it's not throwing money at guys that you're never going to use, that's what they're doing. What they should have done is find a couple free agents, bring them in, give them the money. I know um, Evan talked about that there was this guy, uh, Kachuk, he, he, he mentioned him in the past, a pretty good player. We weren't even talked about for him. Um, so you could have done free agents. You could have done uh, trading draft choices. You could have done... A lot more in terms of just signing Cage Thompson, who you already had on your team, to this big contract that may or may not work out. Even if it works out, it's not going to make your team significantly better. You And the other thing that he never did, not only did he not trade draft picks, he never even got into the trade market. We've brought no one in except one vagabond uh, a goaltender who, yeah, maybe he'll be good. But he hasn't proven anything. And the thing is that with the Bills, you said, oh, you know, what about the Bills? Well, you know what the Bills did when they were bad? When McDermott came in, within two years, we had no one left from that team except, A, a long snapper, and, B, Shaq Lawson, who who then left in the free agency successfully. But, you know, again, we it, you when you're a bad team and you need to change things, you do change them. It may not take one year, but a couple of years. Now, Adams has already had years, and he's done nothing. The, the trade for Eichel, anybody could have traded Eichel away. Eichel had I, a, a great reputation. I don't agree with that. 
You don't think what? he has a great reputation? No, the, there's, there's, the guy there's, who was a generation. No, no, no. There's, te- there's, there's teams around the NHL that didn't want to trade for him for because of his neck. Oh they, my God, you're kidding me, Evan, right? You're you're kidding me. You know the Rangers were still in talks about okay, Eichel with teams. the Sabers even after his injury. They wanted him so bad. So don't give me that. No, no. He is one of the two best centers. He is the second best center out of that draft, and people wanted him. I know, no I, doubt. I get that. But there's certain teams that we're not going to give. Certain off. teams, but there's a lot of teams that did yes, get off. Yes, but at the end of the day, you had to make the right trade. You had to make the right so trade. So you're telling me Botterill couldn't do that same thing? I, I don't think he gets talk. I don't think he gets Krebs. I don't think he gets the, the draft acquisition that you get for a guy like Jack Eichel. Jack Eichel was in a spot in his career where he wasn't simply playing at the level he could play anymore. He wasn't putting up the numbers that we thought he could put up. He wasn't going to be playing for this organization anymore. And Kevin Adams had to find the right trade uh, partner for the Sabres. I just want to note really quick, Dave and Dan, you know, before, you know, we, we move on to the next subject, I just want to note some of the things that Kevin Adams has done in his short two years as the Buffalo Sabres GM. Mm-hmm. Notable Kevin Adams moved. Moved, Jack, moved out Jack Eichel didn't budge until he got what he wanted. He held on to Jack Eichel for a long time. He that got was more tearing, Kim. No, no, I think I think this is for Kevin Adams. He held on for what he wanted, which was tucked to Buffalo with Krebs. Got a first for Rasmus Ristolainen. Rasmus Ristolainen is not worth a first. No one thought we could get a first for Ristolainen. Got no, a first. No, no, no one thought. Mm-hmm. We got a first for Ristolainen. Got a top prospect for Reinhardt. Five first-round picks drafted. Drafted Jack Quinn, AHL Rookie of the Year in 2022, who is joining the Sabres this year. Drafted Owen Power, and I get it, first round pick, first overall pick, but he got him. Stole J.J. Pizzerka from the second round, who will be joining the Sabres this year. Those are two young players that are going to be joining the Sabres this year. Has built the best prospect pool in the NHL by multiple experts and, and analysis and a bunch of uh, personnel been and GMs. So bad. No, that that yes, that, that's no. how you get a good prospect pool, Evan. Don't tell me you can Dan, be you the can, best team no, in the Dan, league Dan, and Dan, have Dan. a bad. You can be bad and still pool. draft bad players. Just because you're bad doesn't automatically mean you're getting all this talent. It's easy to make decisions at one, two, no, and eight. Dan, do you know how many players there are in the NHL draft pool? Like you have to, you know, conceptualize who these players are. You have to have a good scouting staff, and you have to be able to make the right decisions to bring in these players. Kevin Adam has done so thus far. Signed Tage for seven years, didn't budge, didn't wait, got his guy for the long term. Signed Darlene, Yoki Haru, and Olison to extensions. Not long-term extensions, but extensions. These are some key players for the future. Got Eric Comrie for under $2 million. That's a potential starting goaler. It's a low price, might lead to a high reward. And turn this entire roster around in under three years for the future. Not going out and just throwing money at big-time players to just go, hey, we need to compete now. We're competing without wasting our money. We, we kind of need to compete now. No, we don't. Yes, we do. No, we don't. Why? Yes, we do. This is the best. This would probably be the best window that we've had in a long time. But also, if you looked, Ottawa has gotten a lot better. Uh, Ottawa sucked. Canadians. Ottawa's always, been uh, Ottawa's been rebuilding longer than the Sabers have been under Kevin Adams. The Ottawa Senators. Okay, so you're giving two years time to Ottawa, who's been probably just as bad as the Sabers. No, no. Under the, the regime the Ottawa Senators have had, they have been mm-hmm. building up this prospect pool 
for at least four to five years now. The Sabres is that have, not like the Sabres? Where, but no, the Sabres said have been in it for two time. years. We've been in it for two What Sabres have you been watching? And the make Kevin believe- Adams Sabres. This is not the same Bro, Sabres. you're watching the Sabres in a different universe right now. No, you I mean, must be. Dave, Dave, wouldn't you agree with me? I know we're not going to agree on everything, but wouldn't you agree at least the Sabres under the Kevin Adams, Don Granato regime have been rebuilding for two years? This, Like this current regime. Yeah, two years too long. No, no, I, mean, I, mean, I think they should start turning. I, I don't see where in this year three that they're going to be in. That Because I believe it is year three. Yeah, for, for um, Adams yep. and Granado, yes. Yeah, so it, to me it's by year three you should be showing that you're going to be able to, to do something. Yeah, And, the, and the, I just don't see the moves happening. Okay, okay. I, I don't see anything out there. Okay, so basically I think, I think actually, Dave, we're coming to a little conclusion here. I know we don't normally come to this spot but nonetheless i think this year with the young core and some of the potential veteran players sabers have on the roster this year i don't think they'll make the playoffs if they do i wouldn't be completely surprised if they somehow where? squeak into the wild card where? spot if the sabers show that they can compete down the stretch where for a potential playoff spot where get to where? the point get to where they finish if they can potentially compete for a playoff spot down the road and play into the months of march and april and show, hey, with this current roster that we built in just under three years, with this current roster, we can compete. Year four is when you start. Oh, yay! More delay! That's what we it's need. It's not a delay. That's delay. how you build a franchise. You have you to just ha- want to see gradual improvement. Like, they're not going to go from where gonna, they were last year to championship. You have to set a structure. You don't build a structure through free agency. You build a structure. Yes, you can. No, you don't. Yes, you can. So you're telling me McDermott didn't bring people from Panthers and free agency and trades where they were originally? McDermott did not splash a ton of money on players. Because the Bills also did not have a bunch of money and people did not want to come to the Bills at that time. Because if you don't remember, we were in a drought for 17 years. And And guess where the Sabres are? Drought for 11 years. Guess what, Dan? the, The Bills drafted guys like... Uh, Trey Davies White, Matt Milano, Deion Dawkins. They brought in smaller free agent acquisitions in Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer. Uh, they drafted the next year Josh Allen, Tremaine Edmonds. And again, there is a different turnaround between the uh, between NHL and football. Uh, hockey, I would say three years is the equivalent to one year in football. Uh, so that would mean I would say three years. Well, that's just sad. No, I mean that's just the way the sport know, is. That's just the way still, the sport is. It's sad I would to say think I would I would say two years is the equivalent to maybe four or five. But years I I really don't understand. So you're telling me Botterill only got three years, and now Kevin Adams somehow gets four for only two years of being. Botterill also had Jack Eichel. Botterill also had Jeff Skinner, but he had lousy coaches. Yeah, but Botterill, Botterill also traded away Ryan O'Reilly. Like, at that point, that was a stupid Yeah, trade. because Eichel wanted him to. I don't think you remember that Eichel ran the Sabres for a good I chunk. know, but that's also between uh, Jason Botterill and the coaches not having a command of the locker room. Like, that's that's on them. No, it's also Eichel being a little uh, diva and wanting everything to go his way, and that's why the Sabres held on to him for so long. Yeah. And- because Eichel, er, Terry and Kempagua gave him everything he wanted. 
They gave him a silver platter. He didn't want the vegetables. Got rid of the vegetables. Got rid. Of, didn't want tofu. Got rid of the tofu. You know, he got rid of whatever he thought was toxic to that team, and it turns out that was the worst yeah, thing that ever Jason happened. Jason Botterell simply was not a good GM here. He didn't do anything. He didn't draft good prospects to a point. Uh, unlike Kevin Adams, is Kevin Adams actually has built a base structure that we can work with, and then we'll bring in. Uh, you know, next year, some of the top free agents. Uh, again, it's it's right, not about because we. It's not like we have twenty million left yeah, in but our it's not, budget. You it's know, not that all we about could use to sign somebody. Yeah, but you don't need to use that to sign somebody. You're going to need you, that you in the future could. to extend talk. You don't to, really have. You don't really have another big older guy. Yeah, but you, you are the youngest team in the league. Yes. I could use a veteran to fill out this team. We have veterans: Alex Tuck and Kyle Oposo. Okay, Jeff so so those Alex those... Tuck is twenty six. Kyle Oposo is thirty four. Man, that's a veteran in the NHL. That's a veteran. Like that's not that's not quote unquote young 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 is Jack Quinn, JJ Paterka, Lukanen. Uh, Darlene's still considered young, but even at this point, he's almost a veteran in the NHL. He's played 200-plus games. Like, these are veterans. Like, veterans are, you know, Kyle Oposo, Jeff Skinner, uh, Alex Tuck. Heck, dude, Tage Thompson's almost, a vet- like, a veteran in this league. I mean, he's been in the league for a while, since he's, what, like 2017? Yeah, he's been in the league for five years. Sure. Like, he's sure. yeah, and he's been on the Lousy Sabres for three of it and sucked except for one year. Yeah, but what does that have to do with him not being a veteran? Like, because he doesn't have experience. Let me. T- oh, okay. What do you mean he doesn't have experience? He's been in the league for five years. That doesn't mean anything. He's played 182 you, games to be exact. That's where you gain experience, Dan. Yeah, but I think what what you have to have is you have to have veteran. Zemzik Jurgensen. Like, wait, wait. You have to have veterans, not just with experience, but to improve your team. I mean, anybody can bring in a, a, a guy who's a veteran, or you determine somebody's a veteran. But I'm talking about how good is your top six. And I know there were trades out there that were made um, that there were top guys out there, and we didn't go after them. Yeah, but we don't need to go after them. We don't don't need to go after them. There's no no need to go after them. The top six for the Buffalo Sabres wants to be filled out with Tage Thompson, Alex Tuck, Jeff Skinner, potentially Jack Quinn, Dylan Cousins, Victor Olofsson? Were you going to go out and just sign a big free agent and just knock your young guys down the roster again? You have to let your young players come in and Or you could get rid of a guy like Oposo who means nothing to this team. Means nothing. Kyle Oposo is one of the leaders on this team. He is the leader. Kyle Oposo is the guy to go to in the locker room. He's the guy to go to when rough moments happen on the ice. If you need to and go to— And that's the problem. That's like putting Rob Ray— as the captain when he was playing. Yes, but that, Kyle Poso can actually make... produce on the ice. No offense, I love Rob Ray, but that dude couldn't shoot the puck for his life. He but couldn't... Oposo, he can hardly make the fourth line of the Sabres. He had 20 goals last year. Most and of them came off the... power play. That's not really and great in my mind. He scored 20 that's goals. Power play. That's, a, that's, again, like the guy we had at center who we don't have anymore who could... Long hair man, Cody Eakin. Eakin. That's, that's the same thing. We... It, it's a specialty player that's not a guy Kyle, who you want as your leader. I want a guy as a leader. Why didn't they make Tuck the leader? I got to wonder about that. Is that here's this great guy that you're telling me, oh, he's a, he's the top prospect, you know, he's a top veteran, and you don't make him the captain. And, um, and you guys mentioned that all of Kyle Postle's goals came on the power play. 
Uh, I I said most. Only only eight of them did. He had eleven even strength goals. Oh my god, eleven is so impressive. Oh and my still, god, a lot of players' goals. Line. He's on the fourth line. I think team. Kyle Poso can play third or. Third he, or fourth well, line. he played fourth line unless if there was an injury, and then he right. got moved up. As we all know, the Sabres have a great hit, well, injury history. The Sabres wanted to give the young guys a little more work. You're not going to just you know, take that away by playing Kyle Poso the entire time. Kyle Poso, the minutes he played, he produced. Like That's all you need out of the guy. We're not asking him to Yes, play. minus 15, plus or minus Dude, is really everyone, producing. Everyone on the plus-minus stat is a team stat then. You can't look at that individually. That's like the worst way to look at it. Uh you say looking at stats is the worst way to no, look at everything. It, it is because you don't get the full tell. Like you don't get the full tell. I Dan, like I played hockey. Plus minus is a team stat. Like say you're on the ice, five on five. Okay, I just got onto the ice. My guy allowed a goal. Okay, I get a plus minus. I get I get a negative in the plus minus department. Like that how that's not my fault. It's a team. It's a team. It's a team stat. Just like how in football, it's you know. Mostly a team stat to win. Obviously, the quarterback has a lot to do with that. But at the end of the day, football, winning is a team stat. So is plus minus. It's a team-oriented, driven stat. Like, that's not Kyle Post's fault. Like, you know, it's just, it's a team stat. Uh, we are going to take a break on 91.3 FM WBNY. After this, we will get to our game picks. Dave, thank you for joining the show. We always love your input and, you know, commenting on stuff. That was a long half an hour. But nonetheless, we'll be back on the Blitz 91.3 FM WBNY. We'll get into our game picks after the break. Welcome back to the Blitz on 91.3 FM WBNY 91.3 WBNY Buffalo, Buffalo's original alternative station since 1982, brought to you by the Buffalo State Student Activity Fee. We are here for our game picks for week three. Sorry about that. That cut down on me a little bit. But nonetheless, we are here for our game picks for week three. Week three is finally here. All right, I'm still your host, Evan Harrington, for the next 30 minutes. And I'm still joined by Tanner Saunders and my favorite guy to argue with on this show, Mr. We don't Dan. argue. We just we just have thoughtful, just insightful disagree. discussion. Yeah, thoughtful, insightful discussion. Agree, mis- disagreement. Yeah, discussions. something along yeah, <laughs> something along those lines. Uh, speaking of the lines, there is you know some outstanding games being played uh, in week three. Uh, the first one actually up on the board was played last night between the Steelers and the Browns. Talk a bit, just, just really quick quick thoughts on that game. I actually had the Browns. I was kind of happy. Uh, you know, I, I don't usually take the Browns, especially because Jacoby Brissett is their QB. But uh, with Steelers, TJ Watt being out, you know, that, that takes a huge blow. That game last night was kind of boring, kind of entertaining, entertaining. It was like half and half at some points. Uh, really wanted Kareem Hunt to do more, but also Evan DePasquale, if you're listening to this, thank you for saying David Najuku because he got 23.9 points. Yeah, overall, I mean, Amari Cooper did outstanding for my fantasy team. Uh, I have another league with David Njoku in it. Both of those guys performed uh, awesomely. And Nick Chubb, any Nick Chubb fantasy owners, you got your, you know, your pick picks worth. Uh, Nick Chubb has been outstanding the last two weeks and is really showing why maybe why he should have been taken higher in some fantasy drafts but nonetheless week three is officially upon us um the Steelers and Browns played last night the the Browns won 29 to 17 
um, against the Pittsburgh Steelers. The first game up here is the Bills versus Dolphins, but we're going to slide that until the very end. We're not going to talk about that now. Uh, we gave, you know, our, our game thoughts a little bit, but we're going to start with the team in the AFC East. The Cincinnati Bengals travel to MetLife to play the New York football New Jersey Jets. What are you guys' thoughts on that game? Uh Hold on. What was the game again? I'm sorry. Admittedly, Bengals? I was not paying attention because right. I was trying to tally up Tanner, my total from last week. I feel love, man. <laughs> I feel love, Tanner. Uh, nonetheless, I'm kidding. Uh, it's the Bengals versus Jets. Oh, my God. All right. Now the playoff predictor website is selling me here. Bengals, <laughs> Jets. Um, what is going? Oh, my gosh. I am so like, out Put of it right now. Put on the technical difficulty music. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Bengals, Jets. Well, I said last week that I thought the Bengals were a lock over the Dallas Cowboys, but boy, was I mistaken. But, um, oh, man. There's a but. I want to pick the Bengals just because I think they're going to out-talent the Jets, but I said the same thing about Cleveland. They ended up losing. Let's see. I am going to go with... Oh, geez, I'm not even in the right week. Yeah, oh that's why I tried this, to tell you. This segment is off to a disastrous start. But, <laughs> it's all right. fraudulent. I am going to pick the Bengals. I'm not going to overcomplicate it. I just think this is their get-right game, finally, for Cincinnati. They they get the demons out this game. They take the W. You know, Joe Flacco may own the Cleveland Browns, but he does not own Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. I have Bengals winning this easily. Yeah, uh, same here. I know, Dan, you were a little lower on the Bengals than most, but... I still am. You still are, and I mean, rightfully so, man. They are 0-2, uh, looking to be 0-3. Uh, I don't think they go to 0-3. I think they, they beat the Jets, and they kind of get back on rhythm and get things going for themselves, which I think they actually play Miami after that. So, you know, they're going to have their uh, test going for them. Uh, all right. The 0-2... Las Vegas Raiders going up against the 0-2 Tennessee Titans. These are the two, or some of the 0-2 teams that people think are better than their record shows. Nonetheless, these are two teams that are going to be facing each other. Who do you guys think wins between the Tennessee Titans and the Vegas Raiders? I mean, we, you saw what Stefan Diggs did to that Tennessee Titans secondary in the game against the Bills on Monday night. You're, and I think Devontae Adams is in line for a similar game. You're telling me that you're going to line up, you know, Roger McCreary or Caleb Farley or Chris Avery, I think his name is, across from Devontae Fult- Adams. Yeah, now, if Christian Fulton plays well, too. Yeah, if Christian Fulton. But still, I mean, none of those guys one-on-one is going to cover Devontae Adams, just like none of them were able to cover Stefan Diggs. So I think you're going to see a similar result to what happened on Monday night. I have the Raiders winning this game. This is really actually tough for me because oh, it, it's two really good teams on paper but have not been able to produce results. You got Devontae Adams on one side. You got Derrick Henry on the other. You know, two big time names and you know what I'm gonna I, 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 I'm gonna pick the Titans I, I believe they bounce back Vrabel's really ticked that he got embarrassed I don't care that you know Oakland or Las Vegas sorry excuse my language uh, lost on a fumble you know Titans lost way worse Titans will bounce back better yeah 
Uh, so the way the Raiders have been playing over the first two games of the regular season, their first game against the Chargers, it was a one-score game. Then their second game against the Arizona Cardinals, where they were up 23-0, they had multiple chances to win that game. I don't think the Raiders are an actual 0-2 football team. They just lose in Raiders fashion. <laughs> Give me the Raiders in this game. They're going to beat the Titans. I, I don't sure. think the Titans are that good of a team. I get where you're coming from, Dan, but, you know, just looking on paper, like, their receivers this year are just dreadful. If Robert Woods can come back from injury and, you know, be half of what he was. Traylon Burks That's a good receiver. I think, I think Traylon Burks is fine. They just don't get him the football enough. And, you know. The well, reason, they don't give Derrick Henry well, enough. <laughs> no, they do, but they just can't. Derrick Henry, I they just can't don't do think he's the same player. The offensive line isn't the same. Derrick Henry doesn't have that same burst. Nonetheless, I don't think the Titans are as good as they were last year. So they're going to go 0-3 and give me the Raiders in this matchup to get them halfway back to 500. All right, our next game is the New Orleans Saints going down to Carolina to face the Panthers. Tanner. Well, the Panthers have just underperformed, I think. I would imagine a lot of people didn't expect that they would be um, 0-2 at this point of the season. And uh, this doesn't get any easier going up against the Saints defense. you got... Obviously, Cam Jordan and Marcus Davenport, those uh, that terrific pass-rushing duo. Demario Davis, Marshawn Lattimore did not get suspended. Is that correct? It was he Evans. did not. No, he no, did. it was Evans. He's fine. Yeah. All right, so I think it. Uh, the early season woes continue for the Panthers. I'm, I've been high on the Saints. I think they're going to win the division that uh, suffered a little bit of a setback with that loss to Tampa Bay, but I'm still very high on the Saints this season. I know, you know, they're kind of dealing with some injury stuff with uh, Jameis Winston and Alvin Kamara, and Winston's not coming off his best game, but I think he has a bounce back, and the Saints take this one. Now, you know, we just picked Titans Raiders, and I picked Nashville Hot. Now I'm going to Popeye's Chicken and get me some Mardi Gras mustard because I want those Saints to win. Yeah. No, I, 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 Dan, I don't know where that came from, but no, I love it. Fantastic. Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, yeah, I, I'm agree with you. I don't know what you said, but you I'm want some Mardi Gras mustard. Mardi Gras mustard, sure. From Popeyes. From Popeyes, sure. Let's yeah. go for it. We I love that have... chicken from Popeyes. Yeah, right. Uh, more of a Chick Fil A guy, but yeah, same here from here. Chick Fil A. They're actually building a new one on Mile Strip, so uh, that's awesome. And it's already built. Uh, it's got to get the final touches. Ooh. So we got three, all ten minutes away from my house. Beautiful. Uh, nonetheless, mm. though. Give me the Saints in this matchup. I don't care if Jameis Winston is a little banged up. I don't care if Kamara is a little bit banged up. I like what Michael Thomas is doing. Michael Thomas mm-hmm. is looking like himself again. Maybe not the 2019 Michael Thomas, but he's looking like he's got a little bit dog left in him uh, on those x-rays that have been shown. Nonetheless, give me the Saints this one. All right, moving over to our next game. The... Baltimore Ravens, Baltimore <coughs> Ravens, going up against the new De- New England Deflatriates. Uh, Did you mean to choke there? <laughs> uh, no allergies. Uh, it's allergies. The allergies. Yeah, allergies. <laughs> uh, not me though. Uh, so we got the Ravens going up against the Patriots. Tanner, I mean Lamar Jackson has just been on another level. Like I, I'm not a huge Lamar guy, but you just couldn't help but feel bad for the guy. You know, because his defense completely sold him in that game against the Miami Dolphins. And, I mean, he had over 300 passing yards, had over 100 rushing yards. He's looked great in every facet of the game this year as, you know, a passer and a rusher. We already knew that, you know, he was about that when it came to rushing. But, uh, you know, Bill Belichick is billed as this defensive mastermind, but I don't think he has an answer for Lamar Jackson. Give me the Baltimore Ravens. 
I don't got a chicken reference for this one. But they are a bird, so close enough. Ravens win this game pretty easily. Yeah, I think whatever happened to the Ravens last week, uh, you know, with their fumbles with offense in the fourth quarter, same with the defense. Uh, I think they are on a revenge toward this game. And who are who, who best to not do it against against the New England Patriots, a division rival compared to the Miami Dolphins? Ravens, take your anger out on the on the uh, the Patriots in this game. Give me the Ravens overall. All right, we got a, a, a very interesting matchup. The Detroit Lions going up against the Minnesota Vikings. Tanner. Well, the Vikings are coming off a uh, less than stellar performance against the Philadelphia Eagles, but I have the Minnesota Vikings winning this game. I think they get, you know, back on track, and that's no slight to the Lions. Like, I love what they're doing. You know, that was a team that was not projected to do very well before the start of the season, but I love what Dan Campbell's got going on there. I think they're going in the right direction, but uh, they're not quite there yet. Give me Minnesota. You know, I picked... Detroit last week, and he also picked the Vikings last week. Kirk Cousins ain't good on prime time. I, like, I forgot what? that. I forgot Two that little time. bit of information. But uh, Sunday clock, Sunday at 1 o'clock, Vikings easily. Uh, easily, wow. You, you're not buying into the I, I am not. I, I think Detroit will score under 30 points for the first time this season. All right. I think Detroit actually wins this game. I, I am just bought into what Dan Campbell has built over in the Motor City in Detroit. Uh, Dan Campbell has Jared Goff playing like a top 20 quarterback right now. He's got DeAndre Swift running like a monster. Amon Ross St. Brown is playing outstanding. TJ Hawkinson, uh, DJ Chark. They're going to get Jamison Williams back soon. They still got Jamal Williams in the backfield. And the defense, uh, you know, playing awesome. Uh, Malcolm Rodriguez, the, the rookie linebacker, is having an outstanding season as well. So, nonetheless, give me the Lions in this matchup. All right. You want Detroit style pizza. That's all you want. Sure. Let's go with that. <laughs> uh, you have some mustard from New Orleans, too. Uh, let's move on to the Eagles versus Commanders matchup. This is an NFC least matchup. We got Jalen Hurts taking on Carson Wentz, two of the best quarterbacks throughout the first two weeks of the season thus far. What are your guys' thoughts on this matchup? Um, I'll take Philadelphia in this game. I think, I mean, Carson Wentz is the second leading passer in the NFL right now in terms of yards going up against his former team in Philadelphia. So there is the opportunity for the revenge game, but I think the Eagles are just, they have one of the best rosters in football. Jalen Hurts is coming off a phenomenal game. So I think Philadelphia takes the W here. Jalen Hurts, I love you. You lead my fantasy team. I have Devonta Smith, and you're going to cook these stupid Washington Commanders football team, whatever, the other name that I probably can't say. Name redacted. Name redacted. <laughs> Washington. <laughs> but I want my Philly cheesesteaks. I want them nice, and I want them grilled, and they're going to beat Washington. You want a grilled cheesesteak? I don't know. I, 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 I tried to go somewhere. At least toasted buns? All right. Uh... <laughs> We have, or I didn't say, I got the Eagles winning this matchup. Uh, I think Carson Wentz has looked like Carson Wentz in the first two weeks. He's going to put up big numbers, but he's going to just have mishaps throughout the game. He's playing well, uh, but I think he should play well with the weapons that they have. 
with Jahad Dotson, Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, Antonio Gibson, etc. Logan Thomas, they got weapons. So Wentz, you should be delivering. He has been delivering. He's been playing good for them. But Jalen Hurts has been playing out of his mind recently. His rushing ability, his throwing ability has been much improved as a passer over the past couple years. And it's really come to full fruition in his third season. And I believe that big plays play on the defense and the other big play guy and Jalen Hurts on the offense are going to have a big duo. And I mean, I might also have, you know, A.J. Brown on my fancy team. But nonetheless, the Eagles are going to beat the Commanders. All right. A game that many would have thought that would have been a bigger game before the season was the Chiefs versus Colts. Colts are 0-1-1. Looking rough, but again, they play in the AFC South. So they're basically already leading the AFC South, uh, nonetheless. Uh... But then you got the Chiefs, uh, 2-0 Chiefs, Mahomes, you know, playing like Mahomes, uh, doing his things. What are your guys' thoughts on that game? Give me the Kansas City Chiefs for this one. I don't know what's going on out there in Indianapolis, but they might mess around and have the number one overall pick by the time the season's over. Uh, Shaq, Shaquille Leonard has already been ruled out for this game, so give me Kansas City. I think they uh, cakewalk to victory. This is one of the easiest games that I think we can predict all week. But I want my barbecue from Kansas City. I don't know where this voice is coming from, but I want that barbecue. And I can testify, you know, being going down there. Their barbecues, it's legit. Theirs in Austin's, Austin, Texas, it's really good. Uh, Give me the Chiefs in this matchup, no hesitation. I mean, like you mentioned, Tanner, I mean, the way they're playing right now, I mean, they can turn it around, I do think. Uh, but I just the way the Colts are playing, man, like it wouldn't be surprised if they somehow locked up a top ten pick this year. I also would like to say that if I'm making anybody hungry by doing food puns, I am sorry and you not are Dan, sorry at the Dan, same this, time. This is what you get. <laughs> no! No! Ah! I can't go in there! Oh I'm not going there. I'm alive! <laughs> Alright, Dan is alive. Alright. Uh speaking of alive, we just picked the most down game of the week the houston texans versus chicago bears uh <laughs> <laughs> i was about to say speaking of alive looking towards my computer oh we got this alive matchup uh yeah the uh texans versus bears how do you even pick this game i'm just gonna be the coin optimistic flip. yeah it's a coin <laughs> you know what he's got a i got this whatever side he's it got lands a sheet on, of paper i got a sheet of paper whatever side it lands on is who i'm picking this side's the bears this side's the texans okay Looks like I'm picking the Chicago Bears. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> All right. Give me the Chicago Bears in this matchup. I like what Justin Fields has been doing throughout the first two weeks. This is basically the second week of me seeing him throw a football for the first time in his second year uh, because of the first game, which is a rain fest. Uh, but, I, you know, I like what Justin Fields is doing. He's also, like, out of 33 quarterbacks, or out of 32 quarterbacks, he's the 33rd in most pass attempts this year. Let the guy throw the football. All right. Give me the Bears. Give me Houston. I just, I like General Mills. Let General Mills cook. I mean, he had a great, you know, week one against Indianapolis. He kind of came back down to earth in week two, you know, only completing 50% of his passes, throwing for less than 100 yards. But I like Davis Mills out there. I mean, Laramie Tunsil's been one of the best offensive tackles in football to open the year. Um, You know, he's got guys to throw to. O.J. Howard, who looks like the second coming of. (laughs) Did you just turn him off mid-talk? Or who looked like the second coming of Rob Gronkowski in week one. Obviously, you got Jimmy Cooks out there, Brandon Cooks. Sorry, Drake reference, but yeah, give me the Texans. <laughs> he cut you off mid-talk. Unreal. Unreal. Uh, Houston gets this. 
I, I don't know why NFL uh, Network loves saying that the Bears are going to win this game. I, I just think it's because they have Adam Rank. <laughs> and it's like Adam Rank's just there behind him like, you better not say bad about my Bears. Yeah. Uh, so, Houston. Give me Houston. All right, let's fly through these next seven. We have about seven minutes until we are off the air. All right, Jaguars, Chargers. Well, depending on the status of Justin Herbert, if Justin Herbert plays, I think I'll take the Chargers. And if Justin Herbert doesn't play, I'm just going to assume Justin Herbert plays and I'm taking the Chargers. I'm taking the Chargers no matter what, if Herbert plays or not. I believe in Chase Daniels. (laughs) All right. All right. um, Hot take here. I'm going to have the Jacksonville Jaguars beating the LA Chargers, even if Herbert plays. It's not a bad pick. I mean, the, the Jaguars have just looked different this year, and I and I like what Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence have going on. Uh, give me This is my upset pick of the week. Give me the Jaguars over the Chargers. All right, let's go west. Arizona versus the Rams. Hmm. I picked, I picked Arizona for this game, and I'm going to stick with it. You know, they're riding high after uh, their win over the Raiders. It didn't start out well, but, you know, they rallied back at the end. They fought, and their defense made a play, and they won the game. So I think uh, they got that confidence. Meanwhile, the Rams won, but it wasn't exactly in pretty fashion. They nearly blew a 28-3 to lead. So just based off the momentum, I'll take Arizona. And plus, it is in Arizona, so give me the Cardinals. So I believe in Matt Stafford. I believe in Cooper Cup, Allen Robinson, Cam Akers. He uh, looked better last week. He was, and I'm sending him again this week because I just want one more week to prove to myself that I can play him again. But uh, no, Rams are going to win this. I think this is going to be one of the blowouts of the week. All right. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Kyler Murray has first-half struggles like he did against the Raiders last week. The Rams are, you know, too good of a team to... You know, let that happen. Uh, so the Rams, I think, take I mean, capitalize on that if that happens. Give me the Rams in this matchup. All right, let's go south as the Green Bay Packers will be traveling down to Tampa Bay, Florida, to play your know, little guy, uh, Tommy Two Shoes, uh, and Tommy Brady. Um, I got Tampa Bay in this one. They're the home team. I just think. Rodgers is facing an uphill battle with that receiving core. And, you know, it's not like Tampa Bay has a a Swiss cheese secondary. I mean, you've got guys like Sean Murphy Bunting, Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean, Antoine Winfield. They have a very good defensive backfield and the front seven, you know, with guys like Levante David and, um, oh, it's his, Shaq Barrett. So give me, give me Tampa Bay. I think they're just going to out-talent them. I say that a lot. But, you know, they also have one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL in Tom Brady. So... Give me the Buccaneers. Now, Tom Brady may have wanted to own the Miami Dolphins for some point in this offseason, but nobody owns the Green Bay Packers. I want the cheese heads. I want them cheese curds. I want everything cheese-wise because they're from Milwaukee. Yeah. Packers. I'm on the Packers train right now. I think with the running back duo of Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, those two are pretty dangerous, and you know Matt LaFleur is going to use them over the next few weeks and throughout the rest of the regular season and postseason to help out Aaron Rodgers get comfortable with this wide receiving core. I don't know if this is an upset, but give me the Packers. Uh, Let's move on. Actually, this might be the worst matchup of the week. The Atlanta Falcons taking on the Seattle Seahawks. (laughs) Boy, there's two potential toilet bowls this week. The two battles for the potential number one overall pick with the Texans and the uh, Bears and then the Falcons-Seahawks. Give me Atlanta. I mean, I like what they showed last week. 
you know, Marcus Mar going down 28 to 3, Twitter would have exploded if they would have came back down 28 to 3. They couldn't unfortunately, but I mean, they fought and Mariota has looked you know, decent enough. He's gotten the job done this season. Uh, Drake London's had a really good start to his career. So give me the Atlanta Falcons. I'm taking Seattle. I think they just have a better crew in Seattle with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. And with uh, Rashad Penny, probably going to run a bunch. So Seattle. All right. I just like what, the way Mariota's been playing. Uh, give me the Falcons. We got three. Wow, you're going against Geno Smith. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, I got three. We got three teams left. We got about just two and a half minutes. Let's roll through these. The San Francisco 49ers with Jimmy G going up against the Denver Broncos talent. Uh, I don't even know anymore. I mean, dude, they, they, they just don't look good uh, with Russell Wilson in the gang. Who you guys got? Mm, well, I had originally picked Denver for this game. and Rightfully so. Yeah, and I think, I think I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to stick with Denver. Kyle Shanahan doesn't lose with Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't care what you say. Yeah. San Francisco going to beat the I-don't-know-what-time-it-is Broncos. All right, Dan, high-five for that. Jimmy G's a winner. He's a real winner. He's what a winner looks like. Uh, get right with that, Bill Belichick. Get a real winner. No, Mac Jones and Jimmy G. Uh, give me the 49ers. All right. We got Cooper Rush. Uh, you know, a little guy named Jerry Jones said there might be a quarterback battle if uh, Cooper Rush plays up to standards. Maybe uh, when Dak comes back, there's a quarterback battle going up against Danny Dimes uh, and the New York football giants. Uh, what do you guys thought? I'm a Daniel Jones guy. Like I like Daniel Jones, but I think this is where the winning streak comes to an end for the Giants. Somehow... I didn't think Dallas would beat Cincinnati, but they did. I mean, the Giants' offensive line is a disaster outside of Andrew Thomas. Like, sorry, John Feliciano, former Bill, but, like, you and the rest of that crew is just not good. So I think the early front runner for Defensive Player of the Year, Micah Parsons, is just going to wreak havoc on that Giants' offense. And I think Cooper Rush and Dallas pull out the victory. You know, Micah Parsons was out one day because of an illness, and he's probably a little scared of those Giants. He coughing a little too much. He worried about Saquon Barkley. I think Giants and Brian Dayball win this game. Yeah, I think I think the Giants. They're going. They're going. Uh, you know, three and zero. All right, we got to switch our tides before you know we run out in forty seconds. Bills, Dolphins, score predictions. Go. Bills, forty-one to thirty-eight. Dan. Bills win 35-24. You know what? I hate to say this. I love to say this. The Bills are going to absolutely beat the brakes off of the Miami Dolphins. The Bills are going to win. Here we go. Big blowout. 51-27. to Hey, that's what I do. Don't well, take my thing. No, I, th- I actually think the Bills <laughs> are going to beat the Dolphins 51-27. to All right, we got 10 seconds. We're going to have have to head off the air. Thank you for tuning in on the Blitz on 91.3 FM WBNY, Buffalo's original alternative station since 1982, brought to you by the Buffalo State Student Activity Fee. Everyone stay safe, go Buffalo, and we will see you guys on Monday.